0: Hello, my name is Russell Parsons, the editor of Marketing Week and welcome to the first in a series of what we're calling Careers Doctor, a monthly podcast where we will gather the great, the good and the learned to discuss how you can develop as a marketer, manager and leader. Practical advice on personal and professional development, if you like. It's a big task, but you'll be pleased to know it's not my task alone. You will shortly be enjoying the considerable wisdom of two of marketing's rising stars and leading lights on capability and advancement. Helen Tupper, Marketing Director at Microsoft, and Sarah Ellis, Head of Marketing Strategy at Sainsbury's. Now, not only do uh, this dynamic duo hold down significant positions at two of the biggest brands around, they also somehow find time to run Amazing If, a career development and training business whose clients include Direct Line, Barclays and Virgin. Welcome to you both. Hi. Hi. Uh, You'll also uh, later be hearing from the force of nature, that is Sherilyn Shackle, founder and CEO of the Marketing Academy, who will be giving you the lowdown on self-management in short, how you can wrestle control of your career and become its master. Now, Helen and Sarah, we have been soliciting questions from the Marketing Week audience all this week, uh, and I will fire what they are grappling with in a moment. But first from me, it's January, a time of renewal and purpose And intent when people often resolve to take control of their destiny, to tackle their demons, be all that they can be. Often only to find that the long winter months chip away and before they know it they're back to putting up with what they know. Or perhaps that's just me, I'm not sure. For those looking to use January to start over their careers, where should they start? Is it about confidence? Uh, You guys did a talk at the Festival of Marketing last year on confidence Um, What are the key tips and tricks that people should think about when maintaining uh, confidence, um, resolve and keeping that momentum that people often begin the year with?
1: Um, I think the most important thing to start with is an awareness of what What's holding you back from a confidence thing? And that's quite different for lots of different people. So we call this, in Amazing If We Call It, Confidence Gremlins, because we think it helps people to get their head around something that can feel quite uncomfortable. Um, And everybody has them, so it doesn't matter whether you are senior in your career or you're quite junior, we all carry these little gremlins that essentially are voices in our head that hold us back from doing things. And I think the most important thing is to first have an awareness of what yours is. Um, so for example, mine is uh, people saying no to me. I, I have a fear that if I ask for big things, they might say no. And they might think I'm kind of pushy as a, as a as a as a result. And then I might not ask for some of the big things that could help me or my business or my team. But being aware of that means that I now don't stop myself going into situations that might feel scary for me so I can think okay I know I feel uncomfortable because this is my confidence gremlin but I'm gonna I'm gonna try anyway because what's the worst that can happen a lot of the things with confidence are assumptions we carry around in our head that if I if I do that presentation or Mm. if I tell that person I don't know that thing or if I ask for help they might think x y and z and my career is doomed etc so I think the most important thing if you're thinking for a resolution about your career and it's kind of thinking about being more confident is understand the thing right now that's specific to you that's holding you back.
2: Yeah, and the thing that I would say is um, when you then start to think about those resolutions, very practically, keep them small. Mm. I think often it's, you know, in January, like all of us, we all have these like really big resolutions and often they're quite vague. And they're not specific and they're not timely. You don't you don't really commit to it in a proper way. You just sort of say, to Helen's point, oh, I just want to be a bit more confident this year or I'm going to try and just get promoted this year. At some point, I always really encourage people to start really small. And I think for every then small action you take, it then results in you take one more action. Mm. Um, and a very practical bit of advice that's worked brilliantly for me is tell somebody else about mm. it. Because if, you, if I tell Helen that actually this month I'm going to... Um, ask for to go on a particular development programme that's been in the back of my mind for a bit but I've been a bit nervous about asking for it if I tell Helen I'm going to do that and if I tell her who I'm going to do it with when I'm going to do it but I suddenly it's just nagging in my head that I've told somebody else and Mm. it just holds you to account and actually then honestly the likelihood of you doing that is much higher plus you've sort of got hopefully a friendly a friendly voice also asking you did you did you have that conversation how did it go and if you've not done it you just sort of feel a bit guilty and you're maybe a bit more likely to do it yeah. so practically keep them small but also try and tell someone else about yeah. them
0: it's an interesting one that is because um, Helen you were saying about you know don't be f- fearful of somebody saying no and mm. e- embrace that um i mean how do you i mean you're talking about um, starting small but I mean, I often find myself thinking, I'm going to be more confident. I'm going to be more bolder. I'm going to be, and then you think, actually, you know, how how can I become bolder, more resilient? I mean, what is there anything that people can do to to kind of embolden themselves, uh, apart from you know, share sharing is. Uh, so is is, is a, a resolve halved. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it's it's understanding the specific thing it's holding you back from doing. So let's say your resolve is to be more bold. Like that's that's what I want to do this year, I want to be more bold. Um what you have to start with is so so what am I not doing today? So maybe I'm not volunteering to do that new job. Hmm. Maybe I'm not um, having that big session with 100 people in the team to tell them about my vision for things going forward whatever that thing is when you understand how it's holding you back you can start to think about well what's a small test of that you might not leap to go up in front of 100 people because that's quite a big scary test of your of your kind of confidence gremlin but you might say okay so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to write down my vision and I'm going to tell it to 10 people and I'm going to get some feedback and I'm going to see how I feel about that. And you can build up to the bigger step. And, and to Sarah's point about doing it with somebody, I think you can also break it down into, okay, so that's so what I've done with my resolutions this, this year. I have a different one every month and I'm doing them with my husband and we've kind of broken it down each month to one that we're doing. Mm. And so I think you could say, if by the end of the year, I really want to feel like I've made inroads in how bold I'm being in my career or, or at work, Uh, A test that I could do in January is I could present my vision to 10 people. A test that I could do in February is I could go to someone external that I don't even know and then talk to them about this thing. And I think it's just working it through. I think that's the, you've really got to understand, to Sarah's point, make it as specific as possible to you and understand how it is holding you back. And then you can work back from that and say, okay, so how, how could I get there in small steps? Yeah. I also think uh, it's really important
2: to do it in a way that's authentic to you. Mm. So I think sometimes with confidence, um, so things like maybe being bolder, you maybe look at somebody who's dramatically different to you and think, I want to be a bit like them. I wish I I wish I was more like that person. Um, And I think sometimes that's a bit of a false reality, because actually, the best thing that you can do is work out how you can be bolder in a way that feels comfortable to you, feels authentic to you, you shouldn't be trying to change your own style to try and be somebody else, you should just be actually enhancing and kind of reaching your own potential being a better version of you, I guess, rather than trying to be a bit more like somebody else. So I think also, kind of that it's a it's a classic thing that sometimes Helen and I talk about that kind of focus on your own game so try not to worry too much about what other people are doing just worry about you um, and what works best for you
0: Mm. I already feel like I can walk out of uh, (laughs) of, of this podcast with a springy step and uh, uh, so the key here is uh, is to is to share uh, and not compare yeah. Um, nice. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I stumble across a, um, a, a rhyming mantra that, I, that, that perhaps I can live by.
1: If there's one more bit I could ask as well, i add, add to it, sorry. I think that um, it's useful to get feedback as well. So, a lot of the time, our confidence gremlins are things that we carry around in our head and our assumptions about how we think we are showing up. So, to take your one of being bold, um, you might have a perception that you're not very bold, and maybe you're you come across as underconfident in a certain setting. But actually, unless you get some feedback to validate that, you won't know quite how big the gap wow. is between your perception and the reality of what people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. I think as well, it's important to get some feedback from people, and if you're in a meeting, ask people how you came across in that meeting. Do you, do they think you were bold? Just to, to see if they, you can validate this kind of mantra you've been carrying around in your head about your Gremlin.
0: Thanks for that. Now, onto readers' questions. As I said at the beginning, we've been getting uh, questions all this week, and indeed just before Christmas. Um, and there's some different themes emerging of uh, readiness uh, and capability. How do people ready themselves to take the next step and stage in their career, or to look outside um, and, and and make a, a, a very big change? Um, uh, the first question uh, I'll pose of you two is um, is one from uh, Andy. Um, uh, to interpret his question, um, he's talking about how he can perhaps not become defined by the vertical sector that he works in, how can he step outside that, use the fundamental skills and capability that he has and translate that to a different vertical sector. Um, Helen, you've worked in various different sectors, you now work at Microsoft, you previously worked at um, at Virgin and other vertical sectors. Um, does a grasp of marketing fundamentals mean that you're ready um, to go anywhere at any point? Um, or is it a, about attitude and, and other kind of softer skills, perhaps?
1: I don't think it is a given that uh, just because you understand the marketing fundamentals, you can switch between. So I've gone from financial services to oil and gas to Virgin which is a bit of everything now to technology um, and actually the marketing uh, knowledge that I've needed has been quite different so in some cases it's been a B2B type mm. of marketing skill set in some cases it's been more about insight in some it's been more about innovation and brand and I haven't necessarily been Doing that in my previous roles, so I haven't been able to just kind of lift and drop it into the new company. But what I would say I think it's really important is that the passion for marketing is consistent. Yeah. So if you have a, if a passion for marketing and you have a willingness to learn, then you can absolutely take that with you. And I think you just need to draw connections. So, for example, when I worked at Capital One, I was in an innovation role and when I went to Eon, my first role in that business actually wasn't an innovation role, but I took a lot of my contacts and my networks from what I'd been doing at Capital One and I applied them to what was going on at Eon and it really helped me to transfer that knowledge and build a bridge so whilst I was, you know, getting up to speed with the context of the energy industry and what that business was, I could take some knowledge that I'd already got with me, so I think not a given. Be passionate about marketing as a whole. Be prepared to learn about your new business and the new aspects of marketing and that that work in progress mindset because your business is going to change and marketing is going to change. So I think assuming that what you know now about marketing is always going to be relevant to every role you do is, is not going to help you in your career. I think thinking that marketing is whether I stay in my current company or I move to another sector or another business, marketing is going to change and I need to have a mindset that helps me to change with it and understand the new types. That's the most important thing, I yeah.
0: think. I mean, does it help to some degree? I mean, Andy also had a follow-up question. Does it Does it help perhaps to... I mean, you were talking about retaining that passion mm. and, and curiosity to, to continue to learn in marketing. Um, does it help, for example, if you moving to a sector um, that you have no personal experience of, no particular knowledge of, because you're going to be more curious, you're going to be more willing to learn, you're going to be more willing to find out what a customer wants because you're not a natural customer of that particular company or sector.
2: So. Yeah, I think that's um, that's actually something to think about if you're trying to move to a different sector, is remember that's what you're bringing. So mm. don't, don't try to compare yourself to... If you're moving into retail don't try and compare yourself to someone who's been in retail for 20 years because they will always know more about retail than you do and that's that's great for them but think about well, what do you know what can you bring you know you can bring a fresh perspective you can bring you know your whatever you learn in your industry usually there are some things that are transferable I moved from Barclays to Sainsbury's that was pretty different financial yeah. services to food was very very different What I didn't try to do was say that I was a retail expert, that I was going to bring lots of retail expertise. But I did make an effort while I was being interviewed at Sainsbury's to really immerse myself in the world of Sainsbury's, the world of food, to demonstrate my willingness to learn. You know, I went into loads of stores, I'd gone online, I made sure I looked at all their marketing, I made sure I'd got a point of view. And that's something that I would absolutely expect from somebody, to be honest, whether they were in that sector or not. If they're coming for an interview for a Sainsbury's business, I would always be asking somebody, uh, my favourite interview question pretty much is, uh, what is your favourite Sainsbury's product? Mm. So, like, what like, what product do you like to eat? You know, are you passionate about food? You know, what, What's your local store? What was your experience in that local store? And that gives me so many clues as to how much people really love the brand are really interested in the brand. Because actually, if people can't really answer those questions in a very compelling way, I sort of start to think, have they got the right mindset and mentality to really make that switch? One of my most successful people who joined Sainsbury's came actually from professional services. She'd been in consulting. I think she'd been in, uh, you know, KPMG or Deloitte, somebody like that. And I really interviewed her hard because I was saying, this is going to be quite different to working in professional Mm. services. But she really demonstrated to me that she was interested in the role. She was really passionate about it. She did everything she could to kind of prove to me that this is really what she wanted to do and why she wanted to do it. And then she was absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah. Has anybody, I have to interject, anybody ever said, oh, I'm sorry, I I never go anywhere near Sainsbury's, I'm a waitress, customer. Uh, No, certainly not,
2: no, probably not, probably because I'm too passionate about Sainsbury's. Uh, Certainly I have had people where I've asked, what's your favourite marketing uh, campaign at the moment, or asked um, who do you really admire in marketing in terms of thought leaders or opinion leaders, and I'm always really shocked when people can't tell you. So where they can't tell you, they think Seth Godin or Dave Trott or Mark Ritson, Um, is really inspirational and why so I would encourage anybody who is trying to change roles um, if that's your news resolution just make sure you're also immersed in the marketing sector, what's going on, what are the trends, yeah. etc., as well as the industry.
0: I suppose it comes back to what you were saying. Um, be passionate, but also at least at least fake it if you... It's trying new stuff, yeah. basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that provides a, a perfect segue. Um, you mentioned uh, Mark Ritson, um, and uh, he wrote an article uh, last year uh, which uh, provo- proved to be quite controversial, uh, quite provocative, uh, which is his want and everything that you would need from uh, a columnist. Uh, his proposition was that you can't be an expert um, or be de- seen or defined as an expert in marketing unless you have a formal qualification or training in marketing. Uh, and many people who are being held up um, and garlanded as experts in the uh, in discipline or profession um, can't be because they don't have any formal training. Now, I don't propose to launch into a, a debate or an evisceration or, or a celebration of what Mark thinks. But lots of the questions that we've been getting have been about how they can uh, advance. Is training, is qua- are qualifications the answer? Um, so let me pose that uh, to you guys. Um, is, um, is it absolutely necessary for people either well into their career or at the beginning of their career or even at the top end, uh, uh, management or leadership level, to um, to continually learn through formal training or are there other things that they should be focusing on in you know, order to become a better marketer, manager, and leader?
1: Um so I don't think it is a fundamental requirement. I think it is a, an element of a mix of learning that you can choose to do. And I just look at startups for a lot of evidence of that. And then the distinction could be the word expert. So I think if you want to be seen as an expert, it could be useful. But actually in terms of training in marketing, when I look at Uh, when I look at startups and some of the great work startups are doing, a lot of those people that are involved in startups and founding startups have not done any formal marketing qualifications, but they are doing some really innovative things with customers in terms of how they're acquiring and engaging and retaining customers because they're working with agility and they're failing quickly and they're learning and they're looking around at their colleagues and they're just immersing themselves in this world of marketing that that is fundamental to the success of a startup when they're growing. And so I think that qualifications can play a part in the mix, but it depends on the individual and it depends on what you're doing in marketing. I think if you're going to go into something like data or insight, I think there are some really useful qualifications yeah. and things you can do around segmentation and data analysis that you You can't just pick that up. (laughs) Some of that is a a hard skill. But I think if you're going into proposition management um, and maybe some campaign management, that whilst there are processes that you can learn, if you don't have the passion to start with and you're not intuitive about it, I think you'll struggle. I think um, a qualification can sometimes just teach you a way of working, a process, a way of doing certain things. But actually you need to be able to You need to read about it and you maybe need to have a mentor in that area you need to get some just experience of knowing what works so i think it's a blend and if you haven't got a formal qualification i don't think it's the end of your marketing career at all Mm. i think um one of the things that i would always really
2: encourage people to think about um from my own experience is who are you working with and who are you working for because actually from a marketing perspective I think I've learned an awful lot about marketing as a discipline mm. by working for some really incredible people Um, you know whether it's Sarah Woolby, who I work for who's mm. the marketing director at Sainsbury's Sarah Benison who is now the marketing director at Nationwide and who I work for at Barclays both of them from very different backgrounds they've both got agency experience as well as client experience they really to me they really uh, marry the kind of things that you need the kind of the art and science of marketing incredibly well and actually having had the opportunity to work for both of them I feel like I am a better marketer because of the leaders that I've worked for and actually the people that I work with so I think are you in an organization that takes marketing seriously Mm -hmm. are you in an organization that understands the value of marketing and that are prepared to invest in it yeah take it seriously um and and can you really be the voice of the customer which i think is essentially always marketing's role so to helen's point i mean i'm a i'm a massive fan of qualifications as in i've done a lot of them personally (laughs) so i think i can kind of credibly talk about it and i i love to learn in that formal classroom environment it really suits me but i don't think that's i think that is a very small kind of component of the answer i would really think about well how else do you learn and how do you learn best i think it's really different for different people some people don't ever want to be in a classroom and i think that's Absolutely fine. If that's not how you learn, don't force yourself to learn in a classroom. You can now do amazing online courses with things like Skillshare. Yeah. You know, Seth Godin does a brilliant, you know, online kind of mini MBA type thing. Obviously, Mark does a mini MBA I now. As say, well. I was just going to
0: interject with a, my yeah. own, without my own plug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Other <laughs> and uh, and uh, and dare I say it better? Uh, mini MBAs are available via Martin <laughs> Week and via Mark Ritson. Um, uh, we have had uh, other questions that talk about sort of just keeping up to date, I mean we write a lot. The narrative generally is that marketing is is changing and it 's changing quickly i don 't know whether or not marketing is changing or just the world around us is changing very quickly i don't you know there 's a debate around that as well uh, but obviously technology and and, and and data are offering lots of opportunities as well as challenges for people. Um, and uh, consumption of media and consumption of products and services is changing at quite a rapid rate, and mm-hmm. obviously a lot of that is technology-led. Um, I mean, how do you two and how would you advise people just to, I don't mean formal classroom training, but just to keep abreast of what it is that is going on in the world around them? The best uh, advice that I think I've ever heard anybody give a marketer is just start from the... position that you don't know anything Mm -hmm. and um and build from there um i mean how do you guys keep up to date with the world around you and how it impacts your job and 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 how it perhaps might impact your job
1: i think there is a daunting level of information around whether you want to read it um whether you want to consume it via youtube or via apps or you want to read books there is so so much now so i think actually working out a way that you can distill that in a way that works for you is probably the most important thing so I like my phone and I like apps so I will tend to use um I guess Curiosity consolidating services. So actually I really like something called Feedly. I think people might use something called Flipboard, that's another one. Um I also look at Medium and I have a certain number of people that I will follow and I read that probably for about 15 minutes a day. Mm. And that helps me. It's got so in Feedly I have sort of a marketing feed, I have an innovation feed, I have a leadership feed, and over time I've just um added uh, sources of information to each of those feeds, and I just kind of flick through them, and I share them on Twitter, and I might start a conversation about some of those things that I've read. I think that's quite interesting as well when you can take it from just something you're consuming to something you're questioning with somebody else. I think that helps you to learn more about it. But I think it's just knowing, knowing what's best for you. Other people might like newsletters in their inbox. I don't want any more in my inbox. So other people might want to spend fifteen minutes a day reading a particular website. I, you know, it might schedule. till 9 I'm going to read Marketing Week's website it depends what's the best for you but I would say find a way to distill all of those sources into a manageable into a manageable format and a manageable amount of time that you can keep to otherwise it just becomes a bit sporadic you're dipping in you're not really meaningfully deriving any insight from it it's just lots of information that you might you know flick over. The other thing I'd
2: really encourage you to do is I think it's very easy uh, to become a bit complacent. Oh. So going back to the same websites, mm. the same sources, month after month, and often then you start to see consistent trends and themes, and then I question how much are you really challenging yourself or challenging your thinking. So the other thing I try to make sure is that every so often I'll do something that in my head I always kind of title a bit of a random act of curiosity, and I'll go and do something where. It spiked my interest for some reason there might not be a direct correlation to my job or to my industry but there's something about it that I think is interesting either I think the person's done something really interesting I think the topic is really interesting or it's just something I don't know anything about and I will really try and make the effort to then you know spend some time with that thing um and sometimes you go well that was interesting and that's it but sometimes you you go that's that fascinating and actually I can really see how that might impact my job or my organisation mm. and it's incredible how those things um, can really just help to challenge your thinking so you don't don't just end up too much in your own your own world and that whole thing of like you're always spending time with the same people mm. so whether it's actually who you spend time with or the events that you go to I think just sometimes try and mix it up and do something that is just different. Mm.
1: One of the things we do on Amazing If that I, I love when we do it it um, is about curiosity crowdsourcing. So we get a big group of people to ask each other about one thing that they are curious about. And they basically might say... Some of the things that we've heard have been um, when you go to a new city, instead of navigating that city via a guidebook, navigate the city via their Monopoly board, because it just gives you a slightly different insight into the places, potentially not always safe, but the places that you might you might end up in. And okay. um, But what you do by asking other people is you learn ways that they are curious, websites they read, books that they found interesting, that you may have never considered. So I think a way of mixing it up is to ask other people in what ways you're curious. Remember Russell, I asked you about what podcast you listen to and then that gave me mm. some insight into new podcasts I should be listening to as well. And I think that's that's a useful thing to do if you're trying to shake up a little bit of yeah. what, you're, what you're looking to for your inspiration.
0: Thank you. Um, and thanks uh, to everybody who asked uh, questions. I've uh, grouped some of them together but I hope everybody who did ask a question has, uh, has had some kind of answer. Um, uh, So appreciate that. Um, Now, um, to self-management, taking responsibility of your career. Again, and at time, January, to be talking about it. Uh, We caught up with Sherilyn Shackle, CEO and founder of The Marketing Academy, to discuss the whys and the wherefores, the do's and the don'ts when wrestling control. Sherilyn, welcome. Uh, We're here to discuss ways people can be the best version of themselves. Uh, and I have time to discuss this topic at this time of the year, when people are resolving to do better of course. Uh, we've had lots of questions from people about how they can get from one level of seniority to into the next, and how they can get on the first rung of the uh, the ladder. Um, every individual hierarchy of course and culture is different in each company, uh, but there are things people can do to shape their own destiny, I'm sure you'll agree. Um, self-management, what does that mean essentially, Shyamalan? Well,
3: to me, self-management is about taking ownership for the choices and decisions that you make around your career and also um, with regard to the kind of learning journey that you feel that you should go on. I think in the current world, there's a lot of emphasis on what the employers can do for their people. So, you know, if you're working in in a role as a brand manager or a marketing manager, I think that there might be an expectation that your employer is going to take responsibility for the learning and development that you go on through that organisation. And in my view, that's kind of passing responsibility for your development onto someone else. And whilst if your company has got a great L&D program, and mm. marvelous, so why wouldn't you take advantage of that? I also think that it's very, very important that you work out for yourself exactly what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, and develop a plan that where you can take responsibility for finding the ways in which you're gonna learn and develop in the areas that you need to.
0: Mm. So practically, um, is that a case of sitting down and, and, and writing, you know, in the, the old-fashioned way, a, a list of what you're good at, what you're not good at, and what the gaps are? Is that exactly where people start?
3: Yeah, exactly. So the first thing that I always advise the guys that I'm working with is that they take some time out mm, yeah. to sit in a darkened room or on a mountaintop yeah. and very, very honestly think through all of the things that, firstly, they're really, really strong at. I think it's really easy for people to focus on their weaknesses. It's Uh very easy for people to say, I'm not very good at that and I'm not very good at that and, oh my God, I just tried that and that was really rubbish. I'm bad at that. I actually think that part of development is about making the things that you're good at even better. So when you're doing some self-reflection to work out what your development needs are, think also about what the things are that you're very, very good at. So the things that you get good feedback about and aim to make those things even better.
0: Mm Maybe it's a British thing, I don't know, because I'm, I'm the same. Like, I can give you a list as long as my arm of things that I suck at, but um, I, the things I'm good at, I always... Uh, does it help, perhaps, to have outside input um, for other people to tell you that you're good at these things when, you, when you're assessing how you can manage your career?
3: Yes, it definitely, definitely helps. And that's about asking for feedback. Mm. That's about getting brave enough to ask the people around you yeah. what you're really good at and what you're not so good at. And that's people around you, including your peers or mm. the people who work for you, as mm. well as your bosses and the people above you. Mm. So getting some input from others and another and another person's perception about it, I think is very, very useful. Mm. But the first thing that you should have, really, is just one sheet of paper divided into two, and at the top you put down all of the things that you're really strong at, and at the bottom you put all of the things that you're less strong mm. at and would like to develop. Mm. And then you've got the start of a template to work out what it is that you need okay. to bridge those gaps.
0: So so that's what, um, I suppose it will determine what the outcome of those strengths and weaknesses are that you've written down, but so you've got that, you've worked out what you can excel at and what you're not so good at what what, what's next how do people move from having it on paper to it becoming um a reality and a guide for them to to better themselves
3: well step one is to make sure that the things that you're strong at continue Mm. to get better and better and better and actually i also advise the people that we work with if they want to get to the next level in their career so if they're aiming for the next promotion or the next job the best way you can set yourself up for that to happen as a reality is to be the best you can possibly be at the job that you've got right now. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit of self-analysis that says, well all of those strengths, all of those things I'm really good at, am I using them to the absolute maximum of my capability every single day, day in, day out? Am I coming to the end of the day, every day, and able to say to myself, today I did all of those things plus some. Have I finished the end of the day saying all of the things that I think I'm good at? I did all of that today. Mm. Because if in every single day, you can be the best at the job that you're currently doing, you don't even have to worry about whether your employer is gonna promote you. Mm. Those promotions will come. The phones will start ringing. The recruiters will start coming around you because you're the best at what you're doing right now. So in addition to understanding what you're strong and what you're weak at, Think about how you can just be better every single day. Yeah. Every single day you turn up to work.
0: I mean, I think it's an interesting point that you make because people often think about when they're thinking about developing and going to the next room of the ladder, they're thinking about what they can offer in that role and perhaps sometimes forget what they do every day and. Um, in, in the kind of search and straining for, for what's next.
3: Yeah, I think, I, I think they do. I think that's a natural thing. And I also think that you just get stuck in a rut. Yeah. And, you know, in the current world, everything needs to be done faster and sharper and better, with less resources and... You know, everybody's stuck on this yeah. um, roller coaster that, mm-hmm. they, that they're caught on and they can't get out of. But actually, if you take yourself a step back and look at it objectively, and look at what you're doing on a daily basis, and asking yourself the question, am I being the best, best I can be today? Mm. Another tip uh, with regard to aiming for promotion, so aiming to become better at what you're doing because you want that next step on the ladder, is to think about operating on a daily basis in the shoes of the role that you're aiming for. Okay. Right. So if you're a brand manager and you want to be the marketing manager, mm. just have a think about what you might need to do in addition to your current day-to-day job to act as if mm. you already are that marketing manager. Mm. So in the way in which you're talking to the people around you, the way in which you're communicating with your peers, the way in which you're engaging with stakeholders around the business. Think about how you would be doing that in the role of the marketing manager. Yeah. Have that next step already in your mind and think about what you might do slightly differently to already step into that that place. So walk in those shoes. Yeah. Um, because if you're doing that, then not only are you being the best that you can be, but you're stretching yourself by thinking outside of the box that you're in on a day-to-day basis and if you only do one or two things differently every day with the view that you're doing that as your next role the people around you will start to see a shift they'll start to see you behaving in a slightly different way hopefully in a bigger higher impact more credible way and ultimately therefore you'll be seen as a natural Succession mm. because people will start perceiving that you're already ready for that
0: next mm. move. I mean, this is this is, you, you touched upon it yourself. Um, you talked about it, you know, we live on a, roll, a roller coaster, there's always you know, demands, new demands every day, every 10 minutes. Sometimes, uh, something takes over. I mean, how do you how would you recommend that people sort of remain uh, and maintain a clear eyed focus on this? Because you know, like you come back after a Christmas break and there's there's you know, hundreds of emails that require your attention right there, right then, so you can forget some of these, um, you know, this commitment and resolve to do better. I mean, is there, is there anything you can suggest that how people retain the focus?
3: My, um, my opinion is that you should get Quite disciplined about it mm. so one way that you can um, I think aim to to get better at this stuff is by actually scheduling in yeah self-development time right it sounds really crass right but you do most people on a weekly basis will schedule in gym time for example yeah they will know at the beginning of the week that their intention is to go to the gym on Wednesday night or Friday night or Wednesday and Friday night And it's likely that that, if it's not diarised, it's something that's Mm. known in their their world. It's always
0: the case with me. If it's not in the diary, it doesn't happen. It doesn't
3: happen, and that's really common, that it doesn't happen. So why not schedule 30 minutes of every day that's self-development time? Mm. So for example, say on your, Analysis of your strengths and weaknesses. You feel that you would like to improve your exposure to finance Mm. You're weak in the area of finance. You've had some feedback saying well, you're very good But commercially, you know, you're lacking a little bit of understanding around finance Schedule a couple of half an hours during the week to for example read the financial segment of one of the daily papers Um, Schedule half an hour to have a coffee with somebody who works in finance and go and Uh, ask them questions about finance you know go go and pick their brains so uh, I think discipline around the time that you give yourself Mm. is really important what usually happens is we immediately assume we haven't got the time Mm. because I'm already maxed out I'm already working more hours than I should where am I going to find that time but if you look at the course of your entire day sometimes you can utilize downtime in a really productive way so for example if you have a long canoe and you're on the tube uh, that's a really good time to listen to podcasts or to watch a ted talk or to read a couple of really great articles from the Harvard Business Review on the areas that you want to develop. So you can utilise the time that you've got that might sometimes be wasted or downtime and use that to further advance your own, your own development. But you have to get quite ruthless about, and disciplined about managing your time around it.
0: Thank you. Uh, and thanks, Sherilyn, for your contribution. That was uh, illuminating, insightful, and inspirational in, in equal measures. So uh, to be uh, the best you can be, you need to be the best at what you do right now uh, to imagine who it is that you're trying to get to and, 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 and visualise that, but also be disciplined about it. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again to Sherilyn, uh, and thanks again also to Hannah and Sarah for the nuggets that they imparted. Thanks to those that submitted questions and everyone uh, that listened. This is the first of many uh, career podcasts. It's hoped uh, future podcasts will again feature Sherilyn, Sarah, and, and Helen and others and focus in on specific topics that will help you tackle uh, your career's conundrum. In the meantime, uh, for more insight, analysis, and opinion on personal and professional development, you can go to marketingweek.com. Thanks, everyone, again.